Hello and welcome to OK Guys Actual Information. I'm your host, Tucker, and with me as always is nobody. So here's something that's been perplexing me. What if I told you I gave you a gallon of some random liquid, and with that gallon of liquid, you can go 100 miles an hour for like 30 miles without slowing down. Furthermore, you can charge your cell phone, you can listen to the radio, and you can have air conditioning. Hell, you could have three friends and all their luggage come along with you. Sounds pretty amazing. What if I told you it was also with a thousand pounds of metal, too? Well, you know what that is? That's the internal combustion engine. And I'm here to tell you that it's just definitely not real and not straight. I mean, if you believe, I don't, I don't even know what to tell you if you believe in the internal combustion engine nowadays. It's obviously magnets that the government controls propelling your car down the road. I mean, they can stop any car chase anytime they want. They just choose not to, to make rules or whatever. I don't know, man. You guys need to wake up. Anyways, that's all I got for this week. Tucker, out. July 16, 1969, a Saturn V rocket took off from the skies. It orbited Earth, then left for the moon. Armstrong, Aldrin, Collins, too. Apollo 11, out to the moon. They took Apollo 11, out to the moon. They took Apollo 11, out to the moon. Hello and good evening. My name is Josh, and I'm joined as always by Aaron and Bob. We're the folks who've helped if we find the method of the madness. Reason and the unreasonable makes sense out of nonsense because this is okay. Hear me out. Aaron and Bob, how y'all doing this evening? I did not realize how catchy that damn song is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I ran in too early. Uh, and no, no, perfect. Almost, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Hey guys, uh, how are you guys feeling about the fact that I made you do three and a half hours worth of homework this week? Oh, God. <laughs> and then you get upset. When we tell you that we listened to the three and a half hour documentary and not watched it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of visuals in there. Uh, <laughs> I had two two nights to complete this this task in. <laughs> you see what I guys have to everybody, do you see what I have to deal with here? The lack of dedication to the show. <laughs> Can't even use no their fucking eyeball. Uh, one sense at a time. That's all all I'll dedicate to okay, hear me out. Yeah, why do you think I do every episode blindfolded? Well, if you want to appeal to our one sense of hearing, we are doing a song competition for the uh, 100th episode, and uh, you can send that song submission to, what's the email, Josh? OKHMOshow at gmail.com. Again, that is OKHMOshow at gmail.com. Beautiful. And if you'd also like to uh, tickle our earballs with... uh, call in where can they uh call in bob 1-833-666-911 again that's 1-833-666-0911 can we just take a moment to appreciate how good that number is still uh, after like a year and a half <laughs> it's perfect it's why we can once never in a while give, it hits me we can't give it up we have to keep the podcast going just because of the the, the voicemail number it's yeah it's still our crowning achievement for sure. Is there like is is there an implication, Aaron, in what you're saying that not everything from all ninety six now now ninety seven episodes of the show don't don't hold up equally? Come wait, on, what are you talking about? Uh, a they don't. What, what, that's what for are you sure. implying? Our, our audio is fucking terrible. Before 
at like episode 30. Before we 30. hired an odd. Oh, um. <laughs> it went from terrible to average or below average to de- fairly decent now. <laughs> and that still varies g- given which microphone you're discussing. Yeah, given the, you know, how, how bobbly <laughs> one of our heads gets that day or, you know, if I set my cell phone on top of the, you know, voice by, no, no big deal, whatever. Shit happens. Hey, I'm uh, I'm freeing that you, the, the bobbly in the cell phone. Okay, I'm, I th- I'm I clear. Think we're here to discuss what happened in 1969 today, are we not? Oh yeah. Well, we're we're steadily approaching the 50th anniversary of the last time men landed on the moon. We're well past the first time they landed on the moon. So. uh I figured it'd be a fun time to make you watch this documentary, American Moon. And uh, just a, right off the bat, what did you guys think about it, even though you didn't watch it because you're terrible panelists? <laughs> I I actually really liked it. I, I really liked the whole thing. I Of course, like the, the whole center part of it, when they started going in and started breaking everything down, like it, it slowed down a bit um, for me. But I really like the beginning and I really like the end of it. Um, it, I, it, the specific debunking, like responding to every debunker of the moon landing or responding to every like pro moon landing person is it gets a little tedious for sure, but it's good info. Yeah. I feel like they could have sped it up just, just a little bit, just a little, <laughs> yeah. like trim off like half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. But yeah, yeah, they didn't have to go through like 25 minutes of photo analysis. They could have got like cut that down to like 10, 15 exactly <laughs> things like that well what, oh. are you, what are you talking about bob i want the hashtag kubrick cut i want the four and a half hour special honestly though it's it's worth a watch it's a very well put together documentary so how i want to do this before we get into sp- specific parts of the documentary especially like the middle parts like bob was talking about i just want to regale you and summarize kind of the first like hour of this where they lead up to the moon landing because that is that is probably my favorite part about this documentary is because it's, it's most times that you look at a moon landing was fake video or documentary. It's um they focus on just on Apollo 11, you know, through 17. They, they focus on the ones that went to the moon. And uh, this really focuses on what, na- what was happening in NASA from 1961 to 1968. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's awesome. It's, it's not a very good strategy to debunk a moon landing by uh, talking about the successful moon landings. Good, good, <laughs> good point, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. So, I, uh, before, before we get into it, I want Aaron. Can you give a, a brief, like, overview of what this is? So, we watch a documentary about moon landing stuff. Who, who is it made by? What's the background? Why should we care? It's made by a man with an Italian name I can't pronounce, and nor will I try. And I didn't write it down, so I don't want to look it up and make cabbage paws. Mazuko? Massimo Mazuko? It sounds Japanese when you say it, but it's spelled very Italian looking, in my opinion. But it could be a Japanese guy. I don't know. Some dirty ethnic man fucking made this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, director, producer, Massimo Mazuko. But yeah, it's just a it's a documentary basically uh, giving an argument for how they faked the moon landing. Right, that's accurate. 
Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Or why why it's not really that probable that they actually went, I guess, is kind of their argument. Which is, one way it differs, too, from a lot of, like, uh, moon landing denier type people is uh, it kind of argues it in a way where everything that NASA does isn't a lie except for they fake the moon landing itself. Like, they will... They use NASA. They like act like anything else that NASA has done outside of that event is legitimate. It's like all oh, these unmanned probes they sent to to the moon and collected all this data. Because of that, we have all this data on the moon now, and we can tell that this you know this footage from the moon uh, exactly with on it is fake. So they're yeah, under was, the presumption that like that. unmanned missions to the moon happened. They're only. So they're, I, I kind of like that way of arguing, though, like where it's like, OK, we're going to live in your hypothetical here where everything's real. But I want to put doubt on this one instance. So I'm going to pretend that everything's real in the scenario, except this one thing I'm trying to, you know, break some doubt into your head. Wait a second. So so if some of NASA's other activities and other moon mission or other space missions are fake, then the moon landing can't be disproven and probably actually did happen. Okay, that's yes, yes. Connecting some logic on the spot right now. (laughs) So anyways, let's start talking about what I want to go through 61 to 68. What happened leading up to that Apollo 11 moon landing? Um, In 1961, John F. Kennedy promises to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade after he had consulted James Webb, who was the director of NASA at the time, uh, and he, like the Lyndon Johnson, he had Lyndon Johnson, who was his VP at the time, asked James Webb, "Hey, James Webb, hey, what space things can we do that we can beat Russia in?" After Russia had launched Sputnik, and James Webb was like, "We can get men on the moon," and was like totally sold him on it. So Kennedy gets out there and he's just like. By the end of the decade, we will have men on the moon. Like, and that was his speech in '61. So he just like kind of uh, promised a little too much right off the bat. Right. Not not really. They did it right. Goal achieved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Then, uh, watch why the put him down. Well, the other thing that the Russians had just done that that pushed us to want to beat them in other space things was uh, Yuri. It's spelled Gagarin, but I think it's like Yuri Gurin or something is how they pronounce it. Uh, He was the first man in orbit. Yeah. Um, Mm. Yeah, he's the first man in space. And uh, they wanted to beat them in something else. So that's where the whole concept of the moon, you know, that's where of the moon mission comes from. And it comes from 1961. And we have a deadline of before the end of the decade. That's what we wanted to accomplish. Um, now even Kennedy though, didn't really believe what he was saying. So, and when Johnson talked to James Webb about, uh, you know, what we could beat the Russians in, it was going to the moon and, the quote in uh, James Webb's response was manned exploration of the moon is not only an achievement with great propaganda value. He was already trying to sell him on it by what a great propaganda tool uh, landing on the moon would be. Uh, and then he talked about like how we have to do it eventually for, you know, all sorts of scientific and military reasons. But, um, 
Okay, sorry. The audio actually sucks on this video. We took a small break there just to fix uh, this. So I'm gonna actually just read what Kennedy said because it's so funny because he he doesn't uh, he doesn't really believe in this mission all that much. And his first question to Webb is he says, "If I get reelected, we're not going to the moon in my in our period, are we?" Well, let's have Josh B. Webb. No, let's have Josh B. Webb on this one. <laughs> Uh, no, you're not going. You'll fly by it, probably. Which is funny to me that he says that because I think he thinks that Kennedy... Kennedy's asking if we're going to get to the moon by the time he's done being president. And I think Webb literally thinks Kennedy's asking if he personally is going to be able to go to the moon. <laughs> and then he responds with, you'll fly by it, probably. Like, what the fuck? Anyways, uh, then Kennedy says, do you think the lunar, the manned landing on the moon is a good idea? Yes, sir. Why? Couldn't you do the same with instruments much cheaper? Uh, no, sir. You can't do the same. The lunar landing gave us the impetus to build big boosters. Oh, yeah, and big to boosters. tailor them specifically for the purpose. Therefore, they're going to succeed. Otherwise, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Therefore, they're going <laughs> to succeed. Otherwise, they would not have succeeded or been efficient. I, I, I do like to I do want to point out real quick. That Bob's idea of having us do a high school play version of this was fucking <laughs> retarded. Because just just That's telling everybody idea. a story was so much better. Yes, it was your idea. You said Josh Reed Webb's part, yeah. as I was saying, yeah. explaining it. Anyways, leave that all in though, Cabbage, because it was so retarded, and I want to blame Bob for it. But anyways, Kennedy. Just basically the point of this uh, this audio clip that was recorded with him talking to Webb is he's like, "This looks like a hell of a lot of dough to go to the moon when you can just go with like other scientific instruments. Like, you don't need to just go, we don't need to go to the moon for all this fucking money." He's like, "Putting a man on the moon really is a stunt, and it isn't worth that many billions." So Kennedy even knew this Lies. was just kind of stupid. Yeah, and that was telling at the time and that's early that's in 1961 he's like what are we doing spending this money on this when he right after he gave the speech like my understanding of what i always heard was that one of the motivations to go to the moon uh, and to beat the russians there was to uh, have missile silos up there to be able to launch missiles from the moon because it would be so much more fuel efficient to effectively drop them than have them like have to fly intercontinentally and you so that like I don't know. Cold Cold War's weird time, but Kennedy seems to be having none of it. Well, yeah, it's it would if okay if it was all real and we could just launch shit up to the moon, we would build a moon base because it'd be the most strategic military position in human history. But like, not yeah. even more efficient than that would just be satellites that could drop ICBMs on people. Like the fact that we don't do that is kind of telling in my opinion but that's a conversation for a different day yeah i feel like um what was it having like a, a military moon base especially for planetary defenses or, or like nation defenses against other nations is a bit overboard i think like satellites is like much more effective much cheaper to do and pull off um well yeah but they're cheaper and whatever but it's still if you can if you had a military base on the moon that you could launch, you, apparently you can launch a fucking uh, lunar lander off the moon with like zero fuel and just a couple, you know, confetti sparkler cannons when the you know <laughs> lunar lander pops off and goes and connects with a spaceship. 
Uh, if you could launch a missile to like and just drop it on anybody because the face of the moon is always facing the earth and you just wait for it to spin to the right time, you could drop any bomb you wanted on anybody. But yeah, satellites would be the same thing. There's so many reasons you'd want a moon base, basically. But they weren't talking about that in their private conversations. They're just like, wow, this is a this is a really expensive stunt. Is this a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> well, Yo, the president tells you that. Oh, my God. It's good on the propaganda front. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. That was like one of his big selling points is how good of a pe- propaganda piece it is for us to land on the moon. So uh, we go two years. We're building all. We're getting ready for all of our plans for going to the moon and 1963, Kennedy, after a couple of years of doubt, and he made this gigantic claim two years earlier, he at the UN, he uh, he basically asks uh, Russia if they want to do a joint mission to the moon. And Khrushchev was like, we do not plan flights of the cosmonauts to the moon anytime in the near future. Not going to happen. And there's like, fuck. OK, so we got to do it by ourselves. <laughs> We just got to do this expensive stunt that we promised to do. What's that, Josh? I'm sorry. We're actually being held accountable. Yeah, basically, because we just told the world like we were we kept like bragging about how we were going to do it. We're like, we're going to beat everyone to the moon. And just like, you know, it it was a thing we needed to do now because we would have been looked like complete assholes if we couldn't get it done. Um, Then 64 Kennedy's killed. Like right after he 63. asked, or sixty three. Sorry, sixty three. Kenny's killed, but he's killed like I think like seriously two days after that UN speech. Yes, <clears throat> like a couple of days, quite literally. Yeah, it's like real soon after. Um, so Lyndon Johnson he becomes president and he keeps going with the space race. Like he doesn't cancel it or anything like that. He just keeps going. Um. And of then all the perfect opportunities to drop the stunt, right? <laughs> the guy yeah, who promised exactly. it got his fucking head blown off. Like, yeah, I think we'll pull back on the moon down. mission. <laughs> it would have been the perfect vision. excuse to pull yeah. back. Exactly. <laughs> they just didn't, they didn't do it. And they were in the middle of, they, you know, started Vietnam. Yeah. And so we, we have we're in the middle of Vietnam. <laughs> exactly. We have a, we have a losing war with a bunch of rice farmers to wage. Yeah. <laughs> obviously the right people to go to the moon come on we can at least invade a country where we could like steal some good scientists from <laughs> well speaking of, yeah exactly speaking of another country with good scientists though uh so in 64 the head of the russian space program died and they didn't really have anybody to take over so he's the one that was in charge of like yuri gagarin going into space and uh, Sputnik and all that shit. He just like died like suddenly. Uh, they weren't expecting it. And then they they apparently were still going with their own moon mission, but uh, they had four rockets in a row just explode on the fucking platform. And so Russia said, ah, we're done. We're not doing the space thing anymore. And they quit in 64. So they aren't doing any like trying to race to space at that point. And we're the only ones in this fake race so when they always talked about this race to space didn't really exist like we weren't <laughs> racing anybody <laughs> russians called it quits They're like uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna calm down a little bit they probably yeah, lost so yeah, many it, guys in like poor like safety planning situations with those exploding rockets 
it's like us freaking out on mile 12 of a marathon that we have to win this race, but everyone else like dropped out at mile four. It's like, you're going to win the race. Just fucking chill. All you have to do is walk it. Walk it out, guys. Yeah, they had this fucking weird date by the end of the decade that they set for themselves that they have to get this done by 69. So, by the way, another thing that happened in 1964 is NASA had already exceeded its peak projected budget for the nine years that it was doing it a little over three years in. (laughs) <laughs> and they hadn't launched a single rocket yet. Oh no. At least the Saturn V rockets. They 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 put uh We've John Glenn in orbit. In the air. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. they put John Glenn in orbit in 62, but they the any of the mo- the actual Apollo mission stuff with the Saturn V rockets haven't haven't even tested one yet. Not even close. Um in 1965, General uh we have a General Phillips who's like in charge of he was in charge of like reporting on NASA shit to Congress. And his report said there is little confidence that we will meet our schedule or performance commitments. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a typical government uh, uh, review. (laughs) Yeah. Typical government project. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Under promise over deliver. So they're going to like that. That really means budget and and behind schedule. (laughs) Everything that people love. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, we have I have a clip too about NASA exceeding its budget. If you want to play that, Bob, go ahead. At the same time, the cost of the Apollo program was spiraling out of control. As this documentary of the time explains, the cost of the Luna project had soared beyond all expectations, even before a single rocket had lifted off the ground. The status of fabrication and testing of Apollo hardware was such that the program had reached and passed its peak costs. Before a single manned Apollo mission was launched, the program itself began to go out of business. In fall of 1965... <laughs> <laughs> They're out of business. If, it, if only government worked that way. <laughs> God damn, I wish it did. Holy fuck. Oh yeah, it, it was it was insane. I wish I God. Could you imagine how awesome it'd be if uh, just going over budget put government programs out of bit business? Thing the IRS recruited a bunch of seed investors to help them uh, keep in keep in keep operation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then in '65 and '66, they're doing their unmanned launches. They're finally getting to their launches, and uh, they had two separate fuel tank explosions, one in 65, one in 66. There were cracks found in the rocket hull and in the fuel tanks. And then in the lunar lander, they had fuel leaks apparently in like every system and electrical issues in the lunar lander. And they're well past the halfway mark at this point for having to do their actual moon mission. They haven't even done a manned test just to see if you can launch it out of the atmosphere and land the people back on Earth. So the crazy part was when they were talking about the the prototypes leaking fuel like a fucking sieve from like every part of of the rocket. It was just like that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And that there was this guy that was supposed to be he was the safety inspector, his name named uh, Thomas Barron, and uh, I have a clip about his report on the safety inspection. This is in 1967. 
Among the most prominent issues, Barron listed difficulties with people, parts, equipment, and procedures, not to mention poor safety practices and the accidents they caused. In particular, Barron denounced a lack of coordination between people in responsible positions, a lack of communication between almost everyone, <laughs> the fact that people in responsible positions did not take many of the problems seriously. Ba <laughs> Again, it sounds exactly like every government project I've ever been involved in. <laughs> really does. <laughs> <laughs> They're really nailing it. <laughs> Good job, guys. So he he wrote this in January of 1967. This is when he gives this report. Like late, later that month, I don't even know what, they didn't say what day he gave that report, but on January 20th, the rocket that was supposed to carry the do the first manned uh mission exploded when they were doing a just like a fire test, like they were just trying to fire up the rocket like initial firing and it fucking blew up. Then, uh, then in uh, seven days later, they're doing a simulation of, uh, of a launch. Weren't even supposed to launch yet. And the three astronauts that were like their top guys for the Apollo mission that probably would have been the ones going to the moon, Virgil Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chaffee, they, uh, got set on fire and burned alive during a ground simulation because the, uh, oxygen, it was like a, Oxygen got into the no, oxygen into rich the environment. And yeah, and just literally incinerated them in like seconds. Yeah, they had an and, uh, I believe an electrical fire, right? I don't know what the ignition igniter was of it, but um, but even those those three guys were, and we're talking now we're two and a half years from the successful quote unquote moon mission after seven years of working on this shit. And uh, we're so we're what now seventy percent of the way to our deadline, and the their three pilots just died, <laughs> burned alive in their own capsule. <laughs> and their simulation. and their original test when they're doing a fucking unmanned test on the rocket that's supposed to take the those three guys up into space and then back down, exploded. Um. Everybody that has to report to anybody about like budget and every all are saying it's a clusterfuck at this point. And then uh, even the astronauts themselves, this is their final words before they before it lit on fire. I'm not gonna play the horrifying fucking them burning to death. Oh, oh, the humanity. Is, <laughs> yeah. is that their final words? Well, they're a little critical of the uh, of how. This is going. Let's see if if you think that this sounds like a man that thinks that they're about to go to the moon soon. Moments before his death, Grissom had complained about the malfunctioning of the communications between the capsule and the control tower. Hey, how are you going to get the moon if we can't talk between three buildings? <laughs> yeah. So, so Aaron, you're referencing a bunch of the safety reports, and we have a bunch of uh, you know audio clips and video clips of people and whatnot, and their their impressions and attitudes at the time. Um, when do we get to the point where they pin it all on Russian sabotage and hacking of their telecommunications devices? 
even in 1967, they were they didn't blame everything on Russia. Believe it or not, that's that's a new thing, or a 50s thing. It's the 50s and the 2020s. So in two and a half years, they made their rocket stop exploding. They retrained three completely new astronauts because less top, time than that. <laughs> their top astronauts just were burned alive. Uh, I don't know if everyone heard that clip as clearly as uh, as we did, but he was saying, how are we going to get to the moon if we can't even communicate between three buildings? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, none of their radios were working. <laughs> and they're just like, and the, and yeah. the guy's like, I can't hear anything you're saying. <laughs> and then they all exploded, literally. <laughs> That's that is what happened two and a half years before the we nailed it. Is horrifying too. It is absolutely horrifying to listen to people burn alive, especially when they're encapsulated in like a, a very insulated spacesuit. I presume that just must be like a horrific, horrific death. Oh, my oh god. god! Yeah, it sounds bad. They have it in. They have the audio in the documentary. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, so then James Webb. He has to give his like talks to Congress to try to get more money because now they have to keep asking for more money because the the they're way 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 over budget. And he said our chances of succeeding and meeting our deadline are less than they were the year before and every year they get less and less. Like he was very kind of grim about this in 67. And then uh, October 7th of 1968, uh, James Webb resigned. Uh, they did finally have one Saturn launch that didn't explode at this point. That's where they're at. They're like a, like Apollo 4 deadline, I think. It, Apollo 4 might be the first successful manned anything they launched off the ground. Okay. Um, but so James Webb resigned. The director of NASA resigns. The deputy director of NASA resigns. And uh, their most decorated astronaut, Walter Shearer, resigns all in the same week in October of 1968. Did, do we know why or like kind of the whole situation surrounding it? Or is it just more of the same, a failing program? I'm sure there was a 60 minutes on it detailing exactly why everyone just kind of got up and left, Josh. Because <laughs> they knew it was job well done and they oh, cool. were going to make it up. there. And they, <laughs> America was in safe hands with a Nazi scientist, Werner von Braun, designing Saturn V rockets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know I, was, I was reading too that, uh, what was it, in, in 1968, right before Webb resigned, uh, he was informed by CIA sources that the Soviet Union was developing its own N1 rocket for a manned lunar mission. And uh, <clears throat> that's what really put the crunch on it. That's, that's really what brought them all together at the last minute. Is that is, uh, their, the, that's yeah. their excuse for what really got it? The, that's what got them together. Yeah, they were so together that everybody in charge resigned. <laughs> That's how together they were. Well, he realized he was just getting in the way of some of the more technical people involved. So, like you know, you know, as as effective leadership is want to do. Um, That's right. What it is? It's less aside. red tape. You're right, Josh. Less red yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I, I bet you they brought in like Henry Kissinger, and they just he got that <laughs> well oiled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. That that is the state of things in October of 1968. So, eight months. What are the chances, in your opinion? What are the what are the odds that 
uh, ten months later. No, wait, nine months later. I had to do the I had to do the month math in my head. There, I'm pretty dumb, so it took me a sec. <laughs> nine months later, You're not a rocket scientist. <laughs> we went from everyone quitting, mo- a bunch of deaths, and a lot of explosions. Not a single lunar. But we had like these uh, lunar module test planes that we, we used that were like basically flying tripods. We crashed all three of them, and Neil Armstrong almost died because he had to, he had to eject out of it like fucking Top Gun and parachute to the ground as it toppled and exploded when he was about like a hundred feet in the air with it. Oh my god! These experimental craft that were supposed to simulate the flying the lunar lander, since he was going to pilot it, and all of that happened. They they never landed any of those. By the way, they exploded all of them on Earth. But when we went to the moon, it was probably because they were designed for moon gravity, obviously. And then the, the, yeah, we landed, yeah, yeah, yeah. no problem. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So, oh, it's just, it's insane how bad everything was. So, in nine months, though, they got it all figured out. They sent their first successful manned mission to the moon, did uh, their first successful test of a lunar lander, the first time they've ever had to launch a. Uh, this new ship off of the planet off of another fucking celestial body and connect with a spaceship flew back to earth landed everyone's alive and they did that six times no issues yeah. in nine months after eight and a half years of just failure after catastrophic failure it's totally plausible. Yeah, that's, that's typically how projects come together. Like it looks incomplete. It's incomplete until it's complete. That's that's just how it works. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> People are dying, and then all of a sudden they're not dying anymore, and it's you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically the pa- the the picture that this documentary paints for you, though, and it does a really good job of showing the disarray. But like, all right, now now over to you guys. What what? about that do you a agree or disagree with like or and then like what are some interesting things you found in the documentary um i actually that that's one thing that i never actually knew about like the original like lunar landing basically was like the nasa's inability to get their shit together and like the the sheer like it everyone quit right this is my theory everyone quit yeah and then they brought on like okay well we've already stolen a bunch of money from the taxpayers we have to do something with it so let's just fucking fake it <laughs> like that's our only option yeah we have one, to one fake of the things it. i found interesting that i never saw before this documentary was that fucking uh the the topography for like the landing simulator where they had the fake moon that they could get a zoom close-up on with this camera yeah and oh my god to to it was to simulate what the pilot would be looking at when trying to land on the lunar surface is what they said that it was for but it they could li- they literally just you look go look at that thing in this documentary that that they have and then look at just the moon footage the moon landing footage they're just rolling a camera over this over this simulated moon like 1000% <laughs> It's it's very very similar, yeah. <laughs> That's how good the NASA scientists. I'll do job Josh's job right now. 
the the NASA scientists are so good that they were able to make a cor- correct model of the lunar surface. I mean, like that that's what they could build in nine months. And then it took them another, you know, probably another couple years to properly finish and uh, all the work and complete, you know, a, a successful Apollo mission. So, you know, the 1969, that might not have been a real moon landing. But, uh, you know, a couple more later, one of those definitely had to be for certain, for sure, totally real. All right, Josh's oh, lost yeah. hope on Apollo 11. <laughs> that's what, that's oh, what he, I'm hearing. He is not looking forward to April 2025. I can tell you that much. <laughs> hey, 2024. <laughs> oh, you're you're sending them back to their original timeline? No, no, that, that was their delayed timeline. 2023 was the original. I think no. 25 was when Musk wants to go to Mars. Right? Wait, right? No, you're wrong. April 2025 was delayed, and I think they are claiming they're going to delay it more. But they haven't set, like, specific targets, I don't think. Right? Like, it's been April 2025 the whole time. I swear to God. Because it was supposed to be by the end of 2024, and then they're like, well, we're not going to be able to make it until at least April because Bezos is suing us. I'll I'll have to double-check this. This is... um, Um, 2025. hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, 2025. April 2025, and we're not allowing them to delay it anymore. Nope. That's that's the date set in stone. My birthday, 2025. <laughs> well, they get their 2024, uh, you know, like August 2024 CIA hints that the, the Russians are going to go back before them, then I'm sure, sure look, they'll get their act together. Well, the good news is, Josh, that even if things look bleak in... Uh, you know, July of 2024, nine months is all we need to completely reinvent the wheel and get all of our shit together and go no problem at all. Wait, we don't need a wheel to go to space. It's just like a, a rocket and a tripod. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, one of the things, too, is that they did a good job in this of bringing up... They brought up, like actual sound arguments that people make for like they brought up the opposition's arguments with the intent to like prove them wrong or give a reasonable explanation but i think they did a good job of you know people will say things like one of the ones i hear all the time is well they can bounce lasers off the moon therefore there's a reflector it's because of the reflectors they left on the moon which they talk about how they left the reflectors on the moon all the time and bouncing a laser off it proves that there's man-made shit up there that we can bounce lasers off of. But as they pointed out in this, Russia and the United States both claimed to be able to do that before we ever went to the moon. So like they claim that you can just bounce lasers off the moon anyways. <laughs> do, do you know if there's anything special about the, the reflectors they put up? Like for, for example, when you could bounce lasers off the moon before, was there some sort of phase shift or like a certain wavelengths absorbed and you know, only certain wavelengths or it's a laser. There's only one wavelength. But yeah, you, you get the point. Like, was there a I know shift? what you're saying, but like maybe they say that, but how could none of us could ever prove it? Like, that would be the weakest evidence to be like, no, 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 you don't understand. The wavelength of this laser has to be from a reflector. Like, I can't imagine that that would be like substantial proof. Okay. No, that, that's fair. I mean, like, it's a it's a good point he brings up. And in throughout the documentary, throughout the you know, most of the documentary he spends yeah, it goes through question by question, uh, debunking by debunking, and I think he, I think he does a very good job with presenting NASA sources and like quote unquote official sources 
as his evidence for proving the these arguments wrong. Like because a lot of times I, I had some complaints. Like he brings up with Myth Mythbusters a bunch because they did a handful of episodes on moon landing stuff, and it's like, oh, we're gonna prove those conspiracy theorists wrong. Uh, and so look, the the flag in the vacuum is waving like the picture, so realistic. But um, and but Mythbusters, they're not scientists. They don't do like science on the show. Really, there's some special effects guys in an entertainment. No, I get property. that, but you know the Mythbusters episode was pro moon landing, right? Yes. <laughs> you just said I'm going to prove those conspiracy theory guys wrong. I thought you were talking about the documentary at that point. <laughs> yes, Josh. the The Mythbusters guys are not credible uh, scientists, and they cannot be used in defense of the moon landing. That's <laughs> what Josh is saying. Yeah. No, that's, that's what. Like, I I had a problem with the documentary at, at points where the arguments, the counter arguments, he was bringing up or the, the arguments he was refuting were dumb, or they were not, like, sound arguments to begin with. Well, simply because the experiments that they were doing on Mythbusters were very dumb. Well, yeah, but the the reason he brought up Mythbusters, he, he talked about a bunch of other people that were scientists, but a lot of them were, like, Italian and shit, so, like... They, you like had South to American watch it again. You had to watch yeah. the documentary instead of just listen to it in order to oh see their God. arguments. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's Wait, Aaron, do you not know Italian? <laughs> my name's not Justin Maine, so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the reasons he brought them up in the first place, though, is because he was making a point about how much moon stuff got put into our head media-wise. And he was talking about it in that vein as well. Yeah, there definitely is a lot of a lot of moon media and a lot of uh, trying to shut down moon conspiracies. It's actually a perfect time. I have a a supercut of like a bunch of moon propaganda from like the sixties, and it's <laughs> it's kind of great because you can see like how how fucking psyched up they got everybody for the moon like the whole time. So like I can't imagine how disappointed America would have been. Because they acted like these propaganda pieces act like this is just this we're, we're we're this close like we're about to go we're just making sure everything's safe but we got this on lockdown, dude. Well, it's it, almost as disappointed as Americans would be today if we lost the war in Ukraine. Yeah, <laughs> also impossible. <laughs> uh, all right. Sometime in the future, American astronauts will explore the moon. This is the first of the big Saturn V. Someday it will carry three men and equipment to the moon and back. In a few short years, this scene of man on the moon will be a reality. This is the Apollo <laughs> command module. The spacecraft like this will one day carry astronauts to the moon and back. This is the lunar module. A similar craft will one day allow they were two selling toys to sit gently down on the surface of the... Yeah, this is just like product placement. Like Dude, yeah, they're just <laughs> selling toys right now. <laughs> this is how they paid for the rest of their budget. They were selling fucking space toys. A gay op to inspire children to be government agents. That's basically what this entire Apollo mission has been to there, me. There's a kid that comes up later yeah. that's pretty funny. Kennedy Space Center. A reality in the preparation for manned lunar landings. The press had done its part as well. More and more often, magazines were publishing articles showing mod. 
I like this. What will we do with the moon? This is like a magazine like article. And uh, so it has like a, uh, a picture, an artist rendition of this grand castle that we've, <laughs> we've built on the moon. Uh, this looks like the sci- all of our scientists discover that we do. Like <laughs> you th- always thought like the, the headline heavy, like sensationalist journalism shit is like a today problem with the internet. It was exactly as stupid back in the day, but there just was less access to it. But it's like, what will we do with the moon? And my favorite is, in refrigerated suits, we'll expand igloos into a pressurized city. (laughs) (laughs) I like this one. Uh, Electric truck with a pressurized cab. You can even have your your Ford truck up at the moon, guys. (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) That's as long awesome. as it has that circular glass top, you're fine. That's very few, much future. Right. Uh, Modern man projected to the conquest of space. Adventure books packs. set in space awesome. multiplied, making the public ever more familiar with the idea of colonizing other planets. For a nation raised in the myth of the Far West, the new space frontier was only the natural extension for their spirit of conquest. Thus, interplanetary... <laughs> like, look at all the animations and everything. Like, they told you exactly what space... They knew what space was, what the landscapes all looked like. They painted it in your head with comic books before anyone ever even fucking went there. No, really, I, I was going to say, I feel like all of these visuals and what they printed in magazines are just reusing art from old pulp novels like John Carter on Mars and stuff. A thousand percent. All of those old that that they just make it look like that for you because you're already expecting it to look that way. Like that's the thing. Like there, we, nothing unexpected that we saw. Like you know what I mean. It's almost like they all they did was present you what your expectations were, and it's another reason I don't think any of it's I mean, real. They're, they're they're painting astronauts too as being like the, these wild west pulp heroes, and they I, I really are. Like, they're 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 yeah they're heroes they're action heroes astronauts oh they were totally they look like they look like fucking spider-man up there you know what i mean like they just look like superheroes in all these comic books they really got everybody hook line and sinker and we were really bought in look at how i mean look at all this shit that we don't have the colony it's all this sci-fi bullshit the three-stage personal rocket for your friends oh, and well, family yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're all going to have one of those. The fucking Johnson's got a three-stage personal racket down the street. <laughs> oh, look, they even have space station. Rockets, yeah. new satellites, oh and spaceships of all kinds became every day more familiar for the American public. New guides to space were born every day, such oh, as those published on. by him. <laughs> I love, like, the like when they are doing that in this old-timey, uh, the old-timey voice i can just imagine like this is a fourth stage passenger rocket where when the blacks move in you have to fly to the moon to get away from them (laughs) harris guide to the exploration of space space stations the solar system spaceships instrumented satellites and uh, a settlement on the moon huh yeah they're they're giving like they're Printing books, like teaching kids all like these fake instruments and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all instruments that don't exist. 
<laughs> I wonder how much of this was covered in schools next to uh, the Hindenburg and the Dust Bowl. Like, how much time this? That's like, my I imagine, like, every part. Yeah, every year. They were writing children. They were writing guides for to space for teachers in the early 60s to teach kids what space is like oh, before I they ever it. went. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's one day when you could grow up. When you grow up in the 70s, uh, you could be an astronaut, too. So you got to be excited and know everything about it. Oh, it's it's why like you just keep going. This is almost over. I these, but by double day, which illustrated the upcoming Apollo missions in utmost detail. There was even a guide to space for elementary teachers. Kids in schools <laughs> spent their time building their rockets, dreaming of going to the moon one day. If I ever go to the moon, I think it'll be very fun. I just hope to go very, very soon, and I hope I'm not really that old. Walt Disney. Well, that sucks because you're 75 right now. Yeah. And uh, you ain't going to the moon. <laughs> yeah. And do you still think it would be fun? Because if, if you do, you'd be kind of retarded. There's a reason why you never became an astronaut, you dumb whore. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have as many women in STEM programs back then? Yes, yeah. Josh, that's why. <laughs> also, like, and then Disney World opened up a whole park. Epcot Center was just dedicated to space. Like, we just filled everything with space. Created an entire section of Disneyland dedicated to space travel called Tomorrowland. Oh, yeah, Tomorrowland. Meanwhile, Disney regularly published books and comics in which his most famous characters went into space. Wow, how organic and definitely something that uh, large... You know, I intellectual properties have never done uh, propaganda for before. I'm sure, like you know, Walt Disney was just sketching in his notebook one day and was like, "Oh, it's like cool Mickey Mouse astronaut." It's yeah, it's uh, I mean, he was best friends with Werner von Braun, though. Like, well, that's just so he could get like the the in on the newest space suits before they were released to the public. I, I mean, I think where I was just on to something with they were just trying to sell toys. That was how they were paying for this. It was just toy sales. But then they had to at least pretend to do it. The little girl has a little spacesuit. And she even has a skirt on the outside of her little spacesuit there. I know. It's a great outfit. What a great space yeah. outfit. And then and she has a doll that's dressed like an astronaut, dressed just like her with a spacesuit and a skirt on the outside <laughs> of the spacesuit. And the whole family is drifting into the blackness of the void. <laughs> 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 a lot of these seem very set on this this ring like ring around a little central hub. Yeah, space. Yeah, station whatever design. happened to that space station? We never got that one. Yeah, we just have that gay one that's at the bottom of the swimming pool in uh, NASA headquarters. <laughs> 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 All right, hold on. Let's finish this clip here. coloring books with Daddy taking his kids to visit the moon. You had model books with cardboard rockets and astronauts' figurines to cut out. I remember those. You had three-dimensional books describing in detail every aspect of life in a space station. And at the center of everything, there was always the astronaut, the new mythological figure that had replaced the old oh, hero of the West in the popular lore. He looks like the fucking bionic man. Right? <laughs> is he is he hitting a vape in that? What is he doing? <laughs> a food tube. No, he's chugging tang, dude. That's a food tube. Food, oh, food tube. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> uh, 
Pressure regulating tubes will hold on seat connection for oxygen and other regulating pressure, heating, and cooling control. Well, that's he has not radio plugged jacks in, so. for seat connection. Yeah. Holy hell. Oh, that's funny. Slide a knob for lowering face mask? Well, he has... Why the fuck? What they have this suit and he doesn't even. It's not even like a pressurized suit. No, it's his, just. It, it's like the the half motorcycles where it's just like covers the top half of your head and doesn't cover your jaw or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Because they thought at that point the worst part about space was that your chin might get a little chilly, so you yeah. can throw your visor on if you need to. You just get one of those cool pilot scarves, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, dude. Oh my god. That's so one of the, like the actual really interesting parts about the movie too and I need I need to do some more looking into it was the the threats of the Van Allen belt on the astronauts going through oh, this it is great. and stuff like that. Josh, do you know anything about that? Because they were very very concerned about the Van Allen belt and then they were just not and then no one ever talked about it ever again. And now they talk about how they're concerned again in modern day. Yeah, I, I think you laid it out best in this documentary. I, I only have a little bit of background reading pretty much related to the show here. So okay. um, yeah, I think that in the documentary, it's, it's best laid out to the, the progression of the, the science and worries about the Van Allen belt. Yeah, it's just well, like... Well, basically just these huge rings of radiation around Earth. And they were talking about how they'd need like six feet of lead between the astronauts and the ship. Like the ship would have to have like I, I, this was when they were first talking about it in the early 60s, like late 50s, early 60s, whenever they discovered the Van Allen belts. Well, they said specifically with our engineering capabilities, like we we wouldn't be able to protect our astronauts from the radiation um, on a on a manned sp- spacecraft. And we won't be able to do it in the foreseeable future. I mean, Neil and Buzz died, died of cancer like a few years later, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Did they really? Absolutely. No, Buzz Aldrin's he's no, still alive. Okay. No, yeah, he's dying. They Neil, both will live to be very old yeah. and Buzz Aldrin's still alive. Neil Neil just kinda like went out of the limelight. I, I totally thought he was already he dead. He passed away a few years back. Okay. No, no, Neil Armstrong did pass away a few years back. Yeah. I thought he's been dead for like, a while. Relatively recently. I thought because the only person that was ever showing his head around was Buzz Aldrin. And I figured it was like he was like the the lone survivor, basically. After their initial interview, he only gave one more interview. He yeah. did a, a speech at a school. It wasn't even an interview. Wait, he gave one th- speech. This is the, the biggest, the, the greatest accomplishment in all of human history. And he is the, the, the man who accomplished it. One of the three men who accomplished it. And he's not out being like a super public figure, getting constant interviews on the news, on TV, holding rallies, goddammit. What? Not only that, he wouldn't even he would never go to any Apollo eleven like ceremony like or anniversary events. Yeah, he shunned none the of whole them. Thing. He never went. He never. He just went so, away. If you did, guys did something want dramatic to... happen up there, <laughs> yeah, they all well, what? something dramatic happened. Just wasn't Buzz, up there. Buzz raped the other two. <laughs> they just didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, that's a real story they they actually did go to the moon but buzz just raped everybody and they're all just ashamed he was a filthy coomer and just couldn't hold back (laughs) so if you guys want to jump to like the very end of the because like they go through a lot of like uh the mythbuster stuff they go through a lot of like camera stuff and like light source stuff it's all very interesting but it's all very visual and i think you do you best just to like watch it yourself and to get those and to get your Oh yeah, for sure. I don't want to go through every argument. 
if if you're at all skeptical about moon stuff, I, I would recommend watching this. It's anyone out there yeah. and see if it uh, if it changes your mind. Yeah. But so like the end of it, they start discussing when when the astronauts come back home. And this is when it gets super interesting for me. Like Aaron was talking about fucking Neil Armstrong like disappears, doesn't show up to any reunions, stuff like that. But when they first land, uh, they get picked up off like the ocean, right? They get locked into a quarantine box, like this steel fucking box that Nixon was standing outside of. Like, hey, let's <laughs> be space viruses. They quarantined them for like weeks. And then they had a press yeah, like conference. Yeah, like 30 days or something. Yeah, they had a press conference at the end of the quarantine. And they showed up looking like fucking, like, they, they didn't want to be there. They all looked very, like, weird and awkward. Apparently, there was a bunch of, like, really awkward moments in the press conference itself. Like, a reporter asked them, it's like, well, everyone's asking what what this whole mission meant to everyone. And what does it mean to, to the astronauts who, who actually went to the moon? What does this me- mission mean to you guys? And they literally, like, sat there, like... They didn't even look at each other. They just didn't answer. <laughs> no, they all look like they're kid. Like they all look like little kids that got in trouble. Yeah, and so what? This is what this is what's always bugged me because this is like the one thing I've always wanted to know. What do the what do the stars look like from the moon when you're not seeing it through the atmosphere? Um, and a reporter asked this question, and the reporter is actually a famous astronomer. <laughs> He's a PhD astronomer, and he's just, like, dying to know, so. Possibly the most embarrassing moment of all comes when the famous astronomer and journalist Sir Patrick Moore asks the astronauts whether they could see stars from the moon. When you looked up at the sky, could you actually see the stars and the solar corona in spite of the glare? But not one of them, surprisingly, remembers having seen a single star by the naked eye. We were never able to see stars from the lunar surface or on the daylight side of the moon by eye without looking through the optics. Even Collins, who was left orbiting the moon while the other two descended on the surface, does not remember seeing a single star. I don't remember seeing any. This is a... What the fuck? So What the fuck? On a three-day trip. (laughs) uh, They had a three-day trip. This would be like if we took a car trip. But we were stuck in the car for three days. All together. And they're like, what did it look like when you looked outside the window? And we're like, I... Don't think I did that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no. Maybe it's like, like dri- driving up driving up the California coast. It's like, oh, uh, you know, the, the coastline, the ocean. What is like I, I do we drive by the ocean? The ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. yeah, what's the ocean? Yeah, exactly. That would be exactly what it is. Ocean, was I supposed to be looking that way? Oh god. Is but, there any sort of explanation like so so uh, previously in the documentary he had he had brought up where the some of the photographs don't display the stars but that's because they they were just like quick photographs and the the aperture exposure wouldn't like it, it makes sense where you wouldn't necessarily see uh the the small dots of light in the sky from a photograph taken like that is there any sort of explanation where it's like if they're on a certain side of the moon it's effectively daylight so um it, or like you can't see stars from earth during daytime or is there no nope. does that not apply because uh, that's the funniest part with the stars. If you just go by astronaut accounts with stars, so many astronauts give completely opposite answers. So like these three said, you can't see any, uh, except when we look through the optics. So I wonder what they're even, what optics are you talking about, Neil, that let you see stars when you couldn't see them before? I'm just curious. Pull out some binoculars. And, yeah. Like what <laughs> are you talking about? What optics? <laughs> well, I mean, they did, they, 
the NASA and I swear to God, this is they said they made mid-course adjustments using triangulation between the spaceship, the moon, and stars, which they forgot they saw, um, with a sextant, so, like uh, fucking pirates. Okay, hear me out. It's a hybrid space firmament theory where the stars yeah. exist on a firmament type, uh, you know, layer a certain distance above the Earth, but uh, you know. They're not real, uh, but past that, past that, the moon exists. Just think about I it. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually giving that serious consideration. It's like, well, what the depth of the firmament, you know, could be infinite, right? Oh, who knows what it even is? <laughs> right, We've never down, been up Aaron, to see Jesus it. Jesus Christ! That's, like that's <laughs> that's what I mean. Like I don't, I don't even claim to like know if there is a firmament like i've never been to the firm but i know these three fucking liars didn't go to the goddamn moon i can tell you that much yeah they did not have their story straight they're terrible liars like none of these facts add up but then what you were talking what how you were talking josh before the thing you asked about the stars iss astronauts and different astronauts on different moon missions are like oh it was like you know when you're up high in the Colorado Rockies and you look up and you can see all those stars? It's that times a thousand. And you're like, what? Which one is it? And they said, and then another guy's like, you can see stars. The interesting part is you can see stars even when the sun, even in the daylight. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah. I was going to say, that, that, that's where my uh, the hybrid space firmament theory comes from, is the ISS would be right next to it or like within the layer where they can see all of that, but the moon would be too far away. Because what they tell you is that even even though the sun is visible, even when the sun's visible, if there's no atmosphere for it to like reflect off of and all this re- light refraction, it doesn't block out the stars because of that. That's what the that's what the astronauts that say really? they saw stars say, and then half say they don't. They go into detail saying that the stars don't shimmer either because there's no atmosphere to to refract that light. So it's just. There's just constant beads of light, like everywhere. It's it's almost like a, a painted background. Yeah, like th- th- that's that's why I'm so interested in like just knowing what it looks like because like wouldn't it just be a whiteout almost basically? You would think if there's no atmosphere blocking it, there are going to be things other than atmosphere that that cause attenuation of the the radiation across that distance. It, it yeah. should, I think, Bob's right. It sh- it should be closer to that. It should definitely be a lot. Uh, brighter a lot denser with uh you know further stars you wouldn't otherwise see but um it, it would be the greatest yeah. night sky you've ever seen all the time e- ever yeah yeah <laughs> well maybe this is uh something about black holes something something black hole we don't know yet yeah. <laughs> yeah, something something dark energy something something <laughs> you get it nice josh <laughs> the local engineer of the group <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just on closing, just cause it's, it's fun to talk about how, uh, like depressed and dejected and weird Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were like after, after this, I have, uh, one clip where somebody asked what did they asked Buzz Aldrin, what advice do you have for young people who might be interested in a space career, whether as an astronaut, scientist, engineer, or whatever. So this is Buzz Aldrin decorated national hero who got to go to the moon this is his advice for people in a stem field disappointments space uh, and its uh, frontiers certainly are new and, and challenging uh and 
because they're new and challenging, they're also uncertain. And I think anyone aspiring that as a career field has to be equipped with a lot of patience and the ability to cope with uh, things not turning out exactly the way they may perceive that they would ahead of time. Why would a man... What the fuck? You know, they just didn't have an inspiring astronaut figure like Donald Pettit. That's... That's... (laughs) Yes. That isn't it. What fucked up answer for the first guy to go to the moon with, you know what I mean? They're the first guys to go to the moon. So his answer is temper your expectations. It's not going to turn out like you expect. Did he expect to become king of the moon? What the <laughs> fuck? How high were his expectations? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Maybe saying, maybe saying, uh, I did it and we'll never do it again. So you'll never be as good as me. Yeah, temper your expectations because I'm the champion. (laughs) You'll never take the title from the champ. (laughs) Okay, you guys, seriously. Space WWE sounds awesome. (laughs) Bob, is that the answer you expect from the guy that reached the height of being an astronaut? No. In fact, Donald Pettit is more inspired than than that answer. Yes. (laughs) And all he did was invent a space coffee cup. Yeah, he could talk about piss coffee all day and I'd find that way more inspired. (laughs) It really is, though. It That's is. the stupidest He's part. He's way more He's excited more... about his He's piss so coffee. He's so excited about piss coffee. <laughs> uh, and now here's Neil Armstrong being cryptic as fuck. And the only time he made a public ex- a, a public appearance ever after his initial post-quarantine interview that went horrible. Go on. We leave you much that is undone. There are great ideas undiscovered, breakthroughs available to those who can remove one of truth's protective layers. Later on, on. What does does that that mean? mean? Truths. Okay, wait, hold on. (laughs) That's so sketchy. There's a lot undone and a lot that we can do if you can remove one of truth's protective layers. So, so if you can find out uh the truth that we're hiding you can undo the lie that we all told you guys <laughs> like that's how i see it what the fuck a protective truth <laughs> like that's the most he could say without like him and all of his friends and family being killed by cia basically yeah. <laughs> isn't how i took that oh that's that's terrifying good old Good old American heroes. I highly, highly, highly recommend watching that documentary, American Moon. It is fucking 10 out of 10. It's very excellent. I actually recommend it as well. I would definitely skip through the Mythbusters segments. Um, (laughs) It's just, God, I I hated Mythbusters, and I hate people who even try (laughs) to reference Mythbusters. Like, it's just infuriating. (laughs) But it's a good compilation. It has some good arguments, and it really shows you how... Honestly, if you just take this hard, objective look at it, it shows you how unlikely it is that we went to the moon. It gives you reasonable suspicion, in in my eyes, to be like, I don't think the government was entirely truthful about this whole scenario. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised yeah, they, I only, they, put it. Yeah, they only had to burn alive three astronauts to get it done. Like, oh, yeah. Who were a little mouthy, <laughs> a little mouthy about how <laughs> shitty their project was going. <laughs> Immediately, they just, <laughs> these goddamn communications split the switch. He fucked around too much. 
He did. Two weeks before, he hung a lemon on the fucking lunar module, <laughs> making fun of how it was a piece of shit. And then he's talking shit oh, to everybody. Man. He's like, how are we going to go to the fucking moon if we can't talk between two buildings? And they're like, light him up. <laughs> Last straw, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, so what do we what do we got here, Bob? What's this? Uh, What's this doozy? Oh yeah, this looks real important for healthcare. You need to know what science discovered. You need to know today whether it's face or bones uncovered. It's definitely fake and gay. Scientists have discovered that dogs. Can sniff out COVID nineteen as well as lab tests. Lab tests. <laughs> what what kind of lab tests? Like an like an antigen test? P- most specifically, PCR test. <laughs> so so dogs are one hundred percent accurate at sniffing out COVID nineteen. Oy vey, Josh. <laughs> oy vey. Yeah. So we've gotten to the point where the the police state. And the medical surveillance state are now merging into one. And so that now they're going to start using police dogs and bomb sniffing dogs to determine who has COVID and who needs to be quarantined for two weeks or, or if not longer. Right. Bob, do you see this fucking quote here? The dog doesn't lie, but there are many ways PCR tests can go wrong. Can oh, my say. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I love this. Oh, my it's God. Like, okay. But. Let, let's see that do pe- can people lie? I'm just going to walk you through this real quick, uh, real quick. You know, just a hypothetical, just a thinking <laughs> exercise here. Josh, do people are people capable of lying? In in my uh, personal experience, and as the science has said, yes. Okay, so would a person, let's say a cop dog trainer, be able to make a dog bark on command? I mean, you almost had me, but then you mentioned that he was a cop, and I remembered all of those those oaths they take to you know, uphold justice and yeah. never lie. Um, so no, no, that that couldn't happen. So if, in this scenario where the dog doesn't lie, a dog trainer can just get a dog to bark, and then they put you in quarantine. They put you in fucking sick jail for two weeks. Are you fucking kidding me? At Is a this, minimum, are they kidding? Aaron, Aaron, let me let me read the end of that paragraph too. Uh, <clears throat> What's more, anecdotal evidence suggests the dogs can pick up asymptomatic cases as much as 48 hours before people test positive by PCR. Oh, so they, they, so you're negative, but the dog barked, so we got to send you to sick jail. You're, you're being quarantined for future sicknesses? <laughs> Dude, this is like Vanilla Sky or whatever. You're like, what the fuck? Wow. And we all is that know, the movie? Is that the movie where Tom Cruise is a cop that literally arrests people before crimes happen? Because like this AI can predict it. Oh, was that a Minority Report or the other one? Minority Report. It's yeah. Minority Report. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking. This is the my. They're just doing Minority Report, but for <laughs> disease. It's not even a fucking crime you were going to commit. It's literally just existing. <laughs> so, so Bob, how are they? How are they sniffing this out? Like, how does this procedure take place? What can dogs even identify? The dog has determined that you are uh, living un- improperly. You must go to sick jail. <laughs> the, the it fuck? was it was done by uh, swabbing sweat samples. 
off of people, like off the like their backs and necks and stuff like that. And the results are similar to previous smaller studies that also found that dogs perform as well or even better than PCR tests for detecting COVID COVID nineteen. Yeah. This wow. is one of the most psychotic takes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, th- this is not scientific at all either. Like when you're using like animals to fucking sniff things out. No, I, I guarantee sniff you. Sniff asymptomatic sweat of a person with a disease that's not real. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's not very scientific. You're right. Hey, uh, the, 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 the study they, they cite, the main study by Grand Gene, um, just, just note that the conclusion for the summary at the top uh, th- this could be one alternative to PCR tests when it is necessary to obtain a result very quickly uh, in the context of mass screening. It's it's a legitimate alternative to lab tests. Yeah, so you get your uh, you get your immediate test that you can buy at the store. You have the dog sniff you as you get on the airplane. If you don't pass either of those, you're just going to be hauled away into a quarantine. It doesn't even matter, airport. Bob. If you have a negative, the dog can detect that you're going to be positive 48 hours oh, before true. the test can. <laughs> All you need is a dog bark, and they know that you're sick because dogs have never barked unless they sniff fucking made up diseases two days before you get them. That's the only way that these dogs can bark, and the dogs don't lie. <laughs> fucking, this is so absurd. That anybody is like, oh, goody. Like, if they read this. I, I can't believe that this is even a real article. Even in today's clown world. Oh, I like this. So this doctor is going on. Uh, and he's saying, uh, every time you get on to a plane, uh, dogs are already used to sniff out drugs, explosives, and are being tested for detecting other diseases, such as cancer. Yeah, said. I hate that, too. Every time you take a plane, it's because dogs have uh, have been sniffing your luggage and have found no explosive. So you trust them when you take a plane, but you don't want them don't want to trust them for COVID? Holy fuck. No, I do not want them. I do not trust them sniffing I don't planes. trust them for a plane either. I don't trust them for anything. I don't trust them for sniffing my car. When the cop demands, I get out of it, and he wants to do a drug sniff and search my car because he thinks there's something inside of it that may or may not have a stench. Wait, wait. So, Bob, let, 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 me, get this, let me get this straight. Um, <sighs> every time you get on a plane, you do it with your, your belief that there could be an undetected bomb in someone's luggage on the plane. I've never considered that as a possibility. Uh, no, once no, in my life. no reasonable person, unless you're a fucking fed, would ever be like, "Oh my god, did this plane <laughs> get sniffed for explosives?" I really hope it did. I really hope that they aren't slacking on 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 their duties as civil servants servants to protect me against non-existent terrorists looking to blow up my my fucking plane. Yeah, god damn. I, I check my luggage for dog hairs and dog snot every single time, and when I see it, I I just feel this this giant wave of relief. Just, oh yeah, God. just the warmth rushes over your body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, that, that the comforting gaze of Big Brother. <laughs> I, I just they are so people are so comfortable describing a dystopian hellscape now. Yeah. It's, and really putting some. Really putting some sparkles on it, you know? It's just like, holy shit. Well, the argument of that doctor, he's like, it's already terrible. Why not just make it more terrible? <laughs> this is something what? you agreed to. 
Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. It's already your fault. You and you're already. Like, I know. Agreed. I don't want the first one. You already agreed to the to the mandates we put in after 9 11. Yeah, like, don't well, gaslight me. I didn't agree to any of that. Get the fucking TSA out of there. Uh, I love that. They say another drawback is that it takes time and money to to train the dogs. And there aren't even enough dogs trained to detect explosives, let alone diseases. Oh, no. I think we found our solution, gentlemen. We need to get rid of all these fucking dog trainers. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. I thought you were going to say they just needed dogs on the Apollo program. Those guys want to burned up. They would have sniffed that fucking electrical outage no to no time but the, the russians sent a dog to space right did, did the americans do that too or was that just the monkey the i don't know exactly I think. How, how it went but there, i think there's a monkey remember. and a dog between the two countries uh russians I don't think must they did either yeah I, I have no idea on that one okay but yeah we need more good dogs the article wraps up yep yeah the only true thing i love it Next time I pet a dog, uh, a dog, I'm gonna instead of being like, "Who's a good boy?" I'm gonna be like, "Who's a compliant boy?" Just to, to like <laughs> let the message sink in. <laughs> now sniff my sweat for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Just starts licking your hand. Wow! Don't make a- it sound like a fetishy thing. <laughs> it kind of is at this point. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's the show. Yeah, that wraps it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again. In case you forgot, uh, episode 100, jingle contest. Send that into okhmoshow at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. What episode is this? 97? Yes. Uh oh. Three weeks, <laughs> three weeks to big old episode 100. All right. Wow. All right. Have a good night. You've got mail. What the fuck? Don't tell me you don't like my show. Whatever, fuck this shit. I have a PlayStation raincoat.